0: Welcome to The Holistic Way Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki, aka Dominique, founder of The Holistic Way, holistic life coach and yoga teacher. I hope you'll join me weekly as we discuss holistic approaches, fresh perspectives and non-negotiable self-compassion. Understanding is empowering and self-kindness is the new sexy. It is my mission to introduce to you new ways to work with your mind, body and emotions rather than against them to create long-term results with more ease and fun. Hi, and welcome to everybody. I'm very excited for today's episode. Um, We're gonna talk a little bit about the imposter syndrome. My guest today is Lauren Ray. She's the Courage Coach and founder of personal development brand Courage Core. I'd like to give you Lauren a warm welcome thank you so much for being here
1: thank you for inviting me on I really appreciate it
0: perfect so let's dive right in I'd like to ask you a little bit about your journey could you share with me and the listeners um what you do how you came about doing what you're doing and whatever you want to share with the community we yeah have. absolutely.
1: I will keep it as brief as possible. Um, So my background is that I'm a recording artist and songwriter. So that is what I've been doing for a long, long time. And just to kind of give some context of why I went into Courage is that I moved to London after uni, got an anthropology degree, came to London to be a singer-songwriter. And like most people, suddenly I'm 25. I'm in my mid-20s, and I'm working in an office. Yes, I was working for a record label. Yes, it was an amazing job. But I had this realization in my mid-20s, like quarter-life crisis style, that I wasn't actually living my life how I really wanted to when I'd kind of just sort of, time had passed. And what I realized is that I had allowed a bit of fear of failure, a bit of fear of sort of putting myself out there to get in the way of me being a singer-songwriter. And so I, I stumbled across like Brene Brown's work and a few other people's work around courage and vulnerability. And that completely changed the trajectory of my life. So I then fully went into my music. I then started touring and I released two albums. I've loads of things like that. And then ultimately what it meant is that then the pandemic hit. And so I was on a momentum, I was on a roll, I was touring, all these kind of things, living my dream courageously. And then the pandemic hit, everything came to a grinding halt. But by that point, I had already become fascinated and obsessed with courage and what it really means, what it looks like, how people get in their own way and I've been curious about coaching as a concept because I started consulting and I consulted other artists and I thought it was consulting but in hindsight you know we don't know what we don't know (laughs) and so with the pandemic having shut down the music industry entirely and I had a lot of time on my hands as everybody else did, um, I was very grateful that I also had a two day a week job at a label still that always kept me safe and and secure um I trained to be a coach during the pandemic I spent a lot of time a lot of hours locked in the flat learning (laughs) training and the rest is history and and courage has always been a core part of my work because of my own journey yeah that's me in a nutshell I tried to make that as concise as (laughs) possible. like that's my journey through courage my music industry into coaching and now I do both I'm a coach and I'm also now working on my third album
0: Mm, that's beautiful and I love your story you know like you made the best out of a let's be honest very shitty situation <laughs> yes um, and you're one of these stories like we hear more and more you know people that turn that situation around and make the best of it it's very inspiring for me and I imagine for others as well I know and I and it
1: took courage to to do that because you know, I know we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome a little bit today, but you know, it took a lot of courage to start a coaching business and do this during the lockdown because I just was so, it was a risk to also leave my other job and put all that time and energy and invest. And so for me, it's always, again, been this thread of courage that has kind of led me through these massive life changes and life decisions.
0: That's beautiful. And I mean, I imagine oh, that's what I feel like. It always must take a lot of courage to, to step on a stage and perform in in front of people so um maybe we can later talk a little bit about that as well but I'd like to start by asking you how would you like we we've all heard this word or this this concept of imposter syndrome what is your understanding of it like
1: how do you how do you describe it yeah it's it's funny cause... Imposter syndrome. I don't know why they even call it a syndrome. It's not like a medical condition. Like, do you know the word syndrome makes it sound like an actual like medical disease or something, but it's not a syndrome. It's, I, I mean, I don't know if this is correct, but the way that I like to describe it is, it's an imposter experience. Like, it's a kind of phenomenon, or, or whatever we want to talk about. I, I, this, the word syndrome for me doesn't feel aligned with what it actually is, and ultimately, at the root of imposters phenomenon, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it, is this whole concept of just not being enough. And I also think being totally disassociated with what life should feel like. I think we get this idea of what being a human being, what a certain age, what a certain job, what a certain thing should, quote unquote, feel like. And we become so kind of warped by what we think something should be and what we feel, and this feeling of enoughness that is drummed into us by society uh, for various reasons, which I could jump on my soapbox at any moment on, um, really creates this this feeling of like I don't know something or I don't know enough or I'm going to get found out. And there's a kind of there's a just kind of disconnect between reality and how we feel.
0: That's very interesting. I actually never viewed it that way, but it makes it makes so much sense. This dissonance or 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 difference between reality and and how you feel um in your experience working with clients in your own experience if you want to like going back to the syndrome you know like what would be the symptoms that people would experience if they have it
1: yeah it's it shows up in different ways but I think the most common ones is like well it's it's just this constant self-doubt of like i don't know enough or maybe that isn't right or like just constant questioning um this constant incapacity to assess their competency like i literally just got off a coaching pool with, with a client this morning and she she she's heavily in imposter syndrome in the sense that she like most of a lot of my clients they don't have, they don't have an ability to really assess their knowledge and their competency in a realistic reality checking way they just don't seem to ever really be able to be fully aligned with again reality of like what their competency is what their skill set is there's this constant disconnect there but yeah it shows up in self-doubt it shows up in you know perfectionism as well like I think there's always these two ends of the spectrum um where on one side of the coin on one side of the spectrum people who experience imposter syndrome go down the the fear route where it's like I'm not enough so I can't do it I don't put myself forward constantly questioning themselves constantly undermining themselves constantly saying I don't know enough or you know this constant fear of like putting themselves forward for things in case they get found out and then there's the other side of the spectrum where they are so afraid of and feeling this sense of like not enoughness around you know their an posture they don't know enough that they go overdrive with trying to prove themselves and they go into this like superwoman. Um, I wrote I down her name so I can never remember her name, but Dr. Valerie Young, um, she has a book and she talks about this. And there's different types of imposter syndrome and the superwoman kind of perfectionist energies is yeah. the other end of that spectrum. But ultimately the root of it is not enough. And it just depends on how it gets expressed depending on the person's sort of you know desires of what they most likely are going to go down to.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Like, I never realized that it's this feeling of, yeah, not being enough. Like, whether it's not being enough, not knowing enough, maybe Mm -hmm. even not doing enough, you know, like this, I'm not doing enough in my business or in my life. Like, it's, I guess it applies to not only people in business, but like, every. Kind of, or most human beings. Maybe there's some that are lucky enough to not
1: experience it. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's funny because you know at the root of it it's this not enoughness. But again, like going back to what I said about this sort of disconnect, it's so funny because sometimes it's like a general feeling of just not enough in life. But when you really, when it comes down to when I'm working with clients, like in the corporate space, like for example, sometimes it comes down to this feeling of like, oh, I don't know enough for what I should know or I, how I should feel, as I said before, about like, you know, for example, I've had a client a while ago who's sort of offered this sort of CFO, CEO type position. And she had this major imposter syndrome around it. And it came down to the crux of it is that she understood that a, let's say, 40 year old CFO should feel and should believe and think and feel a certain way. And because we had this like idea of what it should feel like, and she doesn't feel that way, she had this huge, she created this massive chasm, this massive gap between how she feels, how she thinks she should feel, and therefore created this feeling of not enough. And when we dug into it, I was like, well, how should a 40-year-old CFO feel? Like, wh- how, when did we decide that at 40, we've ticked a certain box, and the way that we feel and think is very different. Like, we've created this, this, this ideological of like, you know, when I'm 30, I'm gonna feel like an adult. Well, surprise, surprise, I'm 45, and I still feel like I'm 12. <laughs> Don't we all? (laughs) Don't we all? Exactly. But we do ourselves this massive disservice by putting this kind of, you know, we put things on pedestals, like ages, roles, categories on this pedestal. And then we create this not enoughness in ourselves. We create this massive gap. And actually, when we realize it, we're like, oh, no, this is exactly how a 40-year-old CFO feels like but they don't know anything. And (laughs) they guess they're making up to go along. (laughs) Honestly, the biggest realization to me is that people, everybody is figuring things out all the time was the most freeing thing. And I can't remember where I first really, like that really, I don't know. I think it must've been someone I must've, I think it it was probably a man. I think I was speaking to a man at some point and he was talking about, like charging x y and z for his services and i said oh wow like how do you even know how like to do that because he's talking about selling this particular service He goes, oh i don't really and i thought wow people are just figuring figuring things out in life like, like how do you know how to do that at this job and he's like oh i don't know just figuring things out it just blew my mind like completely blew my mind
0: yeah and isn't that what life is about like most of us have no clue what we're doing like regardless of if it's in business if it's in your private life if it's uh, in your career like we all just wake up every morning and we try to (laughs) do it as best as we can and figure things out along the way um so I feel it's a bit like when we when we pull it apart that it seems so duh it's like normal but we get so caught up in it that we forget and I think what you mentioned about the this connection what um came to my mind is this idea that when you're so in the middle of it like you don't have any perspective um and I think that's the point. Like you say, people don't realize all the knowledge they have and all their skills and tools, but they feel like they don't know enough or they don't have enough to give or enough diplomas or certificates to, to show. But when you put yourself or take yourself out of that being too much in it, that you and I think it's with everything, like even me with my clients, Um, or myself like I'm we're so caught up in the details and what other people's might might think that we forget to be just like wait a second take a deep breath like how would you if you put yourself in someone else's shoes how would you how would you respond how would you feel and then you realize that you're actually
1: disconnected it's also this funny thing where i've noticed a lot with clients um and i've i've noticed it now i'm into human design like what profiles and what sort of types and what particular elements of a human design chart it's now i just look at someone's chart and go okay this is going to be something that comes up for them so for example i'm a 6-2 profile so anyone with a second line in their profile tends to really undervalue their knowledge because certain things might come easy to them and i guess socially we've been programmed to believe that so if something, it has any value, it must be hard. Like if it's, you know, if you've really worked at it and you've really spent time learning this skill, then it's valuable. Whereas actually if you have a capacity to learn a skill very quickly or potentially that like you have a natural, like as a singer, I didn't learn how to sing. I could have done, but I hate being told what to do because a manifesto, so I didn't <laughs> ever have a singing lessons. But I didn't learn, quote unquote, how to sing. My voice and my vocal tone is what I was given as, as, at birth. Like I didn't create this vocal tone. Yes, I practiced over time. But it means that like, you know, that's come naturally to me, but also other things in business have come naturally to me because I, I can pick up a skill very quickly. And the same with a lot of people where if something comes, quote unquote, easier, or it's a natural skill you have, we just assume it's not worth anything. And I think yeah. it's partly, it's, well, it's a number of reasons, but it's also, I think, partly socially created that we believe that if something is easy, therefore it's not valuable. Like we have to have worked for it in order to, to have to be value. And I do see this a lot with, clients in every field I work with corporate entrepreneurs recording artists like when they when something's come easy to them they just dismiss it and they just completely dismiss it as if it has no value whatsoever and I'm like just because it comes easy to you doesn't mean that it's easy for other people that can be a hugely valuable skill but we dismiss it all the time.
0: Yeah absolutely and this like it comes so hard like I I always thought it, things had to be hard because, like, it's, I don't know, we get taught that you have to work hard for things and nothing comes for free and nothing comes easy. That we totally dismiss, like you said, what we're actually good at and that someone could actually benefit and would mm-hmm. pay a lot of money, whether it's like hiring someone or even um, as an employee, that you have something valuable to give. And just because it's easy for you doesn't mean it's easy for others. And that was a huge and a good reminder for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's something I experienced as well. Like, wait a minute, I do have something to offer. Just because it's easy for me doesn't mean that everyone – it's easy for everyone. So I think that's a really good reminder for people.
1: It's, it's one thing I bring up when I'm talking about pricing with my entrepreneur clients, like we're charging for how long it would take them, not how long it takes you. Because actually, if you find and you love building websites and you can build a website in a day, it doesn't mean that you only charge a day rate like whatever you would consider a day rate. You're essentially charging how long, in theory, it would take them to do it. Because if they try to do it themselves, it will probably take them weeks so we think about the time that we're saving, they're saving, the quality of work that, like, and how many times I get to redo it. But again, because it might come really easy to someone, they are like, oh, the imposter syndrome comes into pricing, like, oh, I can't charge that much because it's only going to take me a day. I'm like, yeah, but it would take them six months.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Let's, let's wind back how, why your skill set is valuable, even though it comes quote unquote easy to you.
0: Oh, I like that? Yeah, it's so true. Like. Uh... It's a good reminder to how long, and I think how long, but also how valuable is it for someone else to have that skill or have that done in a short amount of time when it would take them so long or it's something they've been struggling with for so long. Um, and we all have that, that, you know, one thing that we just, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe it's just perspective, but we can't seem to move past um how much value or like how much money would you give to have that sorted just to be able to say okay it's i've got this now
1: exactly yeah
0: (laughs) that's brilliant i love it i heard a thing where they say like everyone has imposter syndrome is that something you agree with
1: i feel obviously i don't have all of the stats but in my experience because for a long, long time, it was always communicated to me or in spaces that it was mostly a women's thing. And I have certainly, in my experience, because I I've work I've worked mostly with women, but I do have a lot of male clients as well. And I've definitely seen that not to be the case. In my opinion, every single person, unless you're a sociopath or a two-year-old, which <laughs> some people might be the same thing. Um, <laughs> um, I love it. Unless you're a two year old I think everybody has experienced imposter syndrome to some degree at some point in their life. I think women, I think, again, I could get on my soapbox about this. I think because we are socialized more to not feel good enough, because otherwise, if we felt good enough, then we wouldn't buy all the clothes and we wouldn't buy the makeup and we wouldn't need the plastic surgery and we wouldn't buy this. And, you know, it's a consumerism uh, messaging. But I have really been quite surprised. Myself, that actually, every single male client I've worked with has also experienced imposter syndrome mm-hmm. in their own way. So it, I, I think everybody, except a sociopath and a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: I like that. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, that's interesting. And I think maybe you say like it's more of a female, women condition, if that's what we want to call it, is maybe also because I imagine men would share less about experiencing that. Yes, than women maybe so it's more like we think it's more um, just us with women but like if we would actually honestly speak to you know men as well they'd be like no
1: exactly yeah it's actually been you know I think that's a huge part of it you're completely right that we as women tend to talk about these things more often anyway in which case yeah it is more prevalent whereas men tend to not have been socialized to talk about their feelings and express their feelings or be in touch with their feelings as much as women are in which case yeah they may not either be talking about it or fully aware of it or or know the language behind it necessarily because yeah i mean we've all been socialized to be repressed in various ways so it's just a shit show out there
0: there's something in my mind that i want to ask you about like would you say that maybe imposter syndrome could be a form of procrastination as well
1: i would say imposter syndrome causes procrastination so obviously procrastination is ultimately us avoiding doing something and the re- the reason we're avoiding doing something is for various reasons and one of them could be that they don't feel good enough to do the thing and it okay. feels really uncomfortable so I think imposter syndrome and not feeling good enough or worried about being found out you know thinking about that spectrum you either go one way or the other the people mm-hmm. that I mostly work with seem to be on the, the one end of the spectrum where they avoid things they kind of don't want to do things they sort of Really don't feel good enough, so they just avoid it. But I also have had clients where they've gone the other way, where perfectionism has also become a massive thing. They become so hyper, like vigilant about it being perfect and that, that trying to do it really, really well and being that superwoman energy. Um, but that can also be a form of procrastination because they've been spending so much time tweaking and making things perfect. They're just wasting time. But yeah, uh, procrastination is definitely one of the key indicators that there's something beneath the surface around not enoughness and imposter syndrome is definitely entwined with that. Or
0: well, did you experience clients or people that have both sides of the spectrum? Like I feel sometimes it's not, we're just, we're not just one or the other, but you know that they completely avoid doing something in another task or another area. They overdo it. Like you, you called it this uh, superwoman energy, like over delivering. And do you feel like it can be various degrees of both as well?
1: Definitely. And I think it's interesting to see Where and why it shows up in different parts. So, for example, I think perfectionism, yeah, because I mean, some clients have said, Oh, you know, I've got perfectionism tendencies, and they'll spend like, you know, a million hours getting their Canva posts that no one's going to like, three people are going to see anyway. Like, they're going to spend hours and hours and hours and hours on one Canva post and making sure it's absolutely perfect. And they'll say it's perfectionism and blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, they're actually procrastinating on other things so it's kind of it's so multi-layered and intertwined that it's yeah we're not just one thing or the other it's not one we're not either one thing or the other it's so intertwined and it's interesting to see in what things in their business or what things in their life they will go down the procrastination avoidance route versus where they will hyper vigilant over deliver and for what reasons those are like it might just be that there are there's a certain level of comfort in some area enough for them to fully invest in that and put time into that whereas if it's something completely foreign something completely new and imposter syndrome showing up they'll just avoid that at all costs and then go overboard on the other way but they'll go way into perfectionism on the camera print I mean I know that when I started my coaching business I spent an awful lot of time tweaking my website fonts and colors which we all now <laughs> know that makes no difference to our business <laughs> Whatsoever, and I notice myself going into like hyper vigilance, like making things really perfect. Like oh, I'm gonna make the perfect bio, or I'm gonna tweet my website again, or I need a whole new thing. And I notice. I I do that. I go down that route, and I always have to check with myself, being like, okay, where is my imposter? Where is my not enoughness showing up that I'm now either avoiding something, not doing something, and why am I being hypervigilant here? Like I'm obviously avoiding something and spending a lot of time here. What is this thing I'm avoiding? Why you know? And it's normally in a not enoughness, a perfectionism, uh, imposter syndrome energy somewhere else that has fueled me to my website. <laughs> it's like my poor website has been tweaked so many times. <laughs>
0: so yeah that like for me it was uh, perfectionism was one of the my stalling strategies for years and I used it as an excuse for not taking action like I was if it's not perfect don't bother even starting doing it and what I found was really interesting and I think that's when by luck I kind of kicked this imposter syndrome to the curb as well I mean, not 100% of the time, but when I looked at my worthiness and, you know, that feeling of being good enough, Mm -hmm. I, and I, I surprised myself because I used to wear perfectionism like a badge of honor. You know, like I pay attention to details. I'm so good. (laughs) When I was like, this is such BS. But once I was able to to feel worthy and good enough perfectionism is not even an issue anymore like i i see myself posting things that are far from perfect and i like to think back of the version i was before being like oh she would have killed me for posting something like that you know that isn't perfect to i mean obviously my standards no one else's but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, I think it's hilarious, because I, I think of her a lot, like being, oh, I just can't be bothered, you know, like, no one's going to see it, if they see it, whatever, they see me as a human. Yeah. it's um, And I value my time and efficiency a lot more than I, I did, or well, not that I didn't, but like, yeah, the need to be perfect, because I felt unworthy was stronger than, than the mm-hmm. amount of, of time and, and effort I put in, so it's very it's interesting how everything is linked actually yeah so I'd like to ask you as well what are the tools what are the tricks what are the things people can do if any of the listeners do feel that imposter syndrome what can they do to overcome it in a way not just like do it anyway
1: (laughs) (laughs) are you you telling me that just Feel the fear and do it anyway, it's not as simple, no. <laughs> um, yeah, that, this, this is this is why I'm always on my crusade soapbox. When I obviously we're talking a lot about courage, obviously at the root of everything is fear and worthiness and shame. And I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet around the hashtag feel the fear and do it anyway. And yes, at the crux of it, that is correct. Like at the crux of everything, yes. Feel the feeling and still show up for yourself, of course. But it's not as easy as that. And that's why I became the courage coach, because I was like, well, what makes it, quote unquote, easier for some, some someone to feel the fear and do it anyway? Because we can't be without fear. We can never feel not have these feelings than others. And it really came down to those building blocks, like self-trust, self-efficacy, self-confidence, you know, self-awareness and all these kind of things that build up our capacity to overcome fear, overcome imposter syndrome and not get rid of them. But yeah, it's not as easy as just feel imposter syndrome and do it anyway. But I think for me, the biggest first step for anything like this is self-awareness. Like to be really hyper self- self-aware self where you're really aware of like what you're thinking and feeling and saying and doing that is really showing up. But with full self-compassion, like you no know, judgment, like don't make yourself feel bad about the fact that you feel imposter syndrome. You know, naming it is a big step, but you have to do it with self-compassion. Like when people start getting like, apathy about the fact they feel oh I'm so I'm so annoyed I feel fear like I'm so annoyed I feel imposter syndrome like ugh like this they're just adding fuel to the fire which is already like painful enough as it is so just really acknowledging the feeling aware of the feeling naming it but with complete self-compassion and then this is going to sound as easy as it sounds but like reality checking it you know being aware that everybody has this i mean i always say the quickest way to, to cure quote unquote you know it's not a cure but to cure imposter syndrome is to get five people in a room who have imposter syndrome and they all admit they have imposter syndrome and they all walk away feeling so much better about themselves like imposter syndrome a bit like um i know brené brown talks about this with like shame in the petri dish you know if you cover it up you don't talk about it you don't give it light you don't give it any kind of room to breathe and it stays in its petri dish on its own if it, it breeds it grows and it grows like a mold whereas the moment you give it light and you kind of bring attention to it and we all look at it it cannot grow it cannot fester and the exact same thing is imposter syndrome because at the root of that is shame and not enoughness so it's really about talking about it, acknowledging it being really aware of it and you know surrounding yourself and listening to podcasts like this, listening to people talking about imposter syndrome and realizing you're not alone. And I, I sometimes say to my clients, cause I find it hilarious and they always find it hilarious as well. But it's this whole concept of like, what makes you th- think you're so special that you're the only one who has imposter syndrome, <laughs> you're the only one who feels this. And really like making a joke of it and sort of, re- you know, zooming out reality checking and, mm-hmm. and surrounding yourself by these kind of conversations And I think there's always the kind of more practical things as well, like creating an evidence list. I like to call it, since I know we're allowed to swear on this podcast now, is I I call it the I'm the shit list. It's like, I am the shit. Like, I know things. There are things that I have known, I overcome, I've learned, I've educated. But if you want to be more, you know, less wary about it, an evidence list. Create an evidence list of, you know, I've had like top partners at law firms have imposter syndrome. And I'm like... (laughs) Let's write a list and prove to yourself that you know how to be a lawyer. <laughs> like, basic. But this is the things we have to do because we have this negativity bias. We get one bad feedback, we get one difficult client, and we think we're a terrible lawyer. We think we're a terrible coach. And it's actually about consistently feeding our subconscious mind and feeding our awareness that we actually know what we're talking about and we know things. And just actively having to prove that to ourselves is really, really funny. It's just like let's prove yourself you are you do know how to be a lawyer um but yeah i mean getting support with it i think getting support with it is, the, is the biggest thing and i know i mentioned this to you when we first connected but one of my funnest most fun ways of sort of battling with the imposter syndrome is i enc- encourage my clients to celebrate it like honestly so most of the time, when you feel imposter syndrome, it's because you're in a new environment, you're in a new job, you're in a new role, you're in a new relationship, you're in a new—you've just started your coaching business, you've just started something that's different, that's new. Um, and I always say to them, okay, well, good, because actually you didn't feel it sitting at home on your couch in your in your comfort zone, living your life in a very mundane, non-expressive way. But the fact that you're now doing things that you want to do, that is new and outside of your comfort zone, and it's you know unfamiliar and it's stretching and it's growing. This is why it's coming up. But if you don't feel it, you stop growing, you f- stop stretching. And that's not to say that we should strive to feel it, but it's more just like when you do feel that, like, not to only look at it as a bad thing, but to realize that it's not going to come up. If you're sitting at home twiddling your thumbs, only watching friends every night and not living your life. Like it's, it's not going to come up. You are not going to get imposter sitting at home doing nothing. So <laughs> it's kind of like using it as a way of a, as a signaling post of our growth and our stretching.
0: Yeah. Oh, I was hoping you would share that because I think this is a brilliant way to to look at it. And I've actually told that to a few clients since we had that chat, and they were like, yeah. oh, "This is interesting." Like I and like you said, they we view it as so something so bad. Like this. Oh, I feel fear. Oh no. Um, and I wonder if sometimes it's also linked to this fear we have to be seen as weak, you know, and if we feel fear means oh I must be weak which is again complete BS (laughs) but yeah like I I think it's a brilliant way to to look at it and I also love I'm always on and on and on about Mm self-compassion and the more I talk to people the more I have guests on my podcast like it is just the key and it sounds so simple and people are like oh she's going on about self-compassion again but it just is like every whatever you're doing in your life um whether it's building a business um having a new relationship uh, whatever like having a new job whatever it might be it is the foundation I'm not saying that you can't make it if you don't have it but you can be having so much more fun along the journey um than if you are too hard on yourself and and this we talked about it before this oh you have to push through and feel the fear and do it anyway and then uh, having a whip and you didn't do that fast enough and uh, oh you misspelled the word so i love that it joins this idea
1: i i like what you said about you know you know yes we can create massive success without being kind to ourselves but my goodness like wouldn't it be so much nicer if we got to actually enjoy our success and enjoy how we feel about ourselves and feel good about ourselves whilst we build success. And isn't it going to be so much easier and quicker to build success if we are not constantly like bashing, like self bashing, like, yeah, it's just the more we, we buy into these concepts, the more that we buy into the limiting beliefs, the more that we buy into the narrative of like, I don't know enough or I'm going to get found out, the more that we buy into that, that language, like, just it's like trying to drag ourselves through mud like trying to get to our success whereas that self-compassion is that's I don't know I don't know why I'm getting an image in my head of like a sled like a sledge like over the top of the of the sludge like the sludge is all of the you know all the limiting beliefs the fears and nothing and we can move forward through that but the self-compassion creates that smooth sled that we can glide over the top of it like they don't go away but it creates that process so much easier
0: yeah, I love that. And what I always say to my clients is when you're creating habits, like being nice with yourself, you're, going, you're getting there faster. Like this, if you're always so hard on yourself and you think you can't do anything and you're stupid and whatever, you're always going to fall off the ledge maybe, you know, and, you know, start again. Um, but if you're like, oh, you know, we forgot one day or we didn't do the habits or we didn't, whatever, I made a mistake. I believe you get back to being the best version of yourself so much faster. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the more I talk to people, I'm like, yeah, it just is. (laughs) You're just going to have to take my word for it. So compassion makes things easier.
1: (laughs) And to hark back what you said at the beginning, like just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not incredibly profound because actually the simple things is what massively changes our life. It is what most people aren't doing. We aren't all getting enough sleep. We aren't all meditating. We aren't all drinking enough water. These are such basic, simple things. We aren't all self-compassionate. We aren't all, like, you know, we can always devalue our own advice. But actually, what I've come to realize is the most, what I would consider the most basic advice. I'm not always taking myself. It's so simple. It's so basic. But we have to keep repeating it because we're not all doing it ultimately and so yeah it's kind of let's not we have to we can even devalue the profound advice which seems simple because it is most of the things that change our lives is simple sleep drink water eat healthy move our bodies be nice to ourselves done
0: (laughs) i love that yeah that's amazing so i just want to quickly recap what you said on how they can overcome it so the first thing was self-compassion like we went on and on about i hope we brought that point home second was the, the really be aware. Um, that you're having it share with the people that maybe are on the same or similar journey and I believe that when we are courageous enough to be the first one to speak up we allow others to to share as well so so mm-hmm. if you do find the courage to be just like okay I feel this can someone <laughs> say they feel it as well that usually everyone's like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean they've done that so
1: you're not unique <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly, you're not unique. And then the making a list, and I think this is a brilliant point to What are the skills you do have? What is, like, make a list of everything we know because we forget, we so easily forget.
1: It does feel really basic, but like, we often forget. So, you know, I'll do some of my clients, whatever, that let's take my coaching clients, for example, like that, who are coaches is what I mean. Um, you know, I get them to write down what skills they have, even if, if they just started their coaching business. Like that, you know, this is why I always laugh at it coaches often start coaching business and imposter syndrome is massive with new coaches but it's almost like this hilarious sort of situation where they start a coaching business and it's like they have never existed before having a coaching business it's almost like their entire life before starting a coaching business has been like etch-a-sketched out of their mind and they are like they talk about themselves as if they're like babies out of the womb They're like I have a baby coach I don't know anything and I'll be talking to people who are like you know, who have doctorates in things, who have like 10 years experience in marketing. And they're like, I don't, you know, I'm just a new coach. I don't know things. I'm like, okay, hang on a minute. You might be new to the coaching business, but you are not new to life. Let us get a piece of paper out and remind you why you actually know a lot of things, experiences. Like I often talk about this on my coaching um, Instagram page that, you know, my background as a recording artist and a songwriter, in theory you cannot see the tangible link as to why that will help me build a coaching business and why it makes me a good coach. Actually, there are loads of reasons why me being a recording artist and songwriter and having had a career as a recording artist and independent artist has been hugely beneficial to my skills as a coach, as my skills as a business coach, in particular, you know, a mindset coach. And I'm constantly showing people these kind of weird links between why songwriting and coaching has been really helpful in that kind of thing. Because I'm trying to show people that it's not an obvious like skill set link but it is and then I'll show my other clients you know you your background in this job how is like in HR how has that helped you in coaching and just kind of providing evidence for ourselves in in ways we don't expect and then as soon as you get you know client reviews and testimonials and kind words just to add it to the list like keep building on it keep bringing yourself back to it
0: yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think it applies to, you know, someone that's not a coach as well. Like, whether mm-hmm. you apply for another job, whether it's in, in your private life. and But even, you know, to to new moms that feel like, oh, I'm not good enough, like I'm doing this yeah. wrong. Like, just reminding yourself all the times that, you know, your kid was happy and, and, and did sleep well and um all these things and as well in a relationship when you think like oh I'm not good enough for my partner or whatever like reminding yourself like everything you do bring to the table leading back to seeing the good things maybe having gratitude for the things you do have and you do bring to the table whether it's skills or or whatever instead of just focusing on what you don't have or maybe not only don't have but don't see
1: yeah it can be tough for people to to do this sometimes, and I think if you are str- if you're really struggling, like work with a coach or ask your friends to list things about you. And if if that's even tough, then you know working with either you know a coach or a therapist, depending on what specific things you want, like to to work on your self esteem. Because for some people, this is a lot easier than others. Like for some people, imposter syndrome is a thing. But when I ask them to do this task, they can go do it. It may not feel comfortable. They may struggle to find some things, but they can do it. There are obviously going to be cases where me giving this advice is going to be really like alien. And they're going to like, I don't, you know, they're so beyond imposter syndrome. Their self-esteem is is, is incre- incredibly low. And in that case, if you're finding even the task of doing an evidence list, or if you write the evidence list, but you cannot believe it, like you physically cannot believe it, you know, it's, that's when you have to work with somebody to actually co-create this this and and undo some stuff and kind of recreate this relationship with yourself because it's not easy to do this work on your own it's really not so you know we've created our sense of um self our you know our not enoughness our shame in relation to other human beings and so therefore it's a lot easier to recreate that in relation to human beings that we are relational beings and so just to anyone listening if you're finding that advice like really (laughs) daunting or unhelpful then it would be time to to, to work with someone to get that support because you deserve to feel enough and it's not always easy to do on your own so don't feel bad if that advice doesn't land
0: I love that that's so beautiful and I like what you said about you know maybe asking other people because I I can't remember four years back or whatever um in a coaching container where I was a client we had to do this exercise of asking I can't remember seven or eight people to list our best qualities (laughs) and oh my god I was so scared to ask people but yeah you know like you're held accountable there's you're not alone there's other people that do it so you just go for it and I was
1: so surprised and I know that some people will be listening to this, being like, "Oh my god, that sounds so egotistical." Like, so just go and ask people. Blame, blame a podcast. Say it's a challenge. Saying someone's challenge, you should blame somebody else as to why you're asking. Because I know, especially as as a British person, like we are so programmed to not like ask for attention. And so, when you do these tasks, blame somebody else. Say, and part of this like hilarious like challenge, like i listen to this podcast and they challenge us, or I'm in this group, or I'm, or my coach told me to do this thing blame somebody else to detract from the fact that you feel like you're maybe just being asking for attention you're asking for compliments but honestly if you haven't done this exercise this is as you pointed out it's really valuable but I know personally like the, I've always had to blame something else as to why I'm asking I'm like I have to do this challenge like, blah 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 like I don't need I'm not looking for for compliments but I have like I've definitely used the blame somebody else like it's my homework technique to get things I need that I know I need for myself, but I don't want to be asking for it just for my sake of myself.
0: Yeah. I love that because now that you say that, I remember being like, you know, I'm doing this challenge. Like I have to ask you, would you mind? <laughs> because I think <laughs> we, so we're exactly the same. Like you don't go fishing for compliments. Like how dare you? Mm. But yeah, I remember I was blaming it on the on the challenge. So that's great advice. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for everything before we end this episode i'd like to give the people um the chance to find you if they want to know more about you if they want to know how they can work with you if they yeah just want to connect how and where can they find you
1: yeah thank you so much um so if anyone wants to connect with me i am always on instagram an <laughs> un- unhealthy amount so uh find my instagram which is at couragecore C-O-R-E. I always talk about how courage is at the core of everything we do, which is why my company is called Courage Core. Um, and then my website's the same, it's couragecore.com, but um, so feel free to slide into my DMs because like, you can tell I like a good chat. So, <laughs> so people are always sliding into my DMs to say hi, and I'm always like, yay, chatting.
0: <laughs> oh, that's beautiful work. Thank you so much. I had a lovely time. It was, yeah, I love a good chat as well. So it was really interesting. Um, and I hope that the listeners got a few key points they can try out and see um how it works out for them so thank you so much for everything and I hope to see you again soon
1: thank you so much again for having me
0: thank you beautiful soul for being here with me this week don't forget to subscribe to the show and to follow me on instagram at uniquely.nicky see you next time